Welcome everyone, this is Geeks of the Week Podcast. It is another Thursday, which means we have more geek stuff to talk about. We have, an, do. oh my God, I'm so <laughs> excited about this show because we got Bobby. Oh my gosh, Bobby from the Afternoon Special, we're so excited. Guys, oh my gosh, you, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> guys, you have no idea, like we're about to go in a time machine this episode. We're about to hit all the nostalgia buttons today. It's so I exciting. Nostalgic media is just like, I mean, that's why people love media, right? Because mm-hmm. of the connections that you build. And like, I just, I think that there's nostalgic media particularly, and it's different for everybody, obviously, right. but media that gives you that special like feeling. It's, it is like a time machine. Like it's it literally warm. just transports you and it's, it's, fuzzy. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yo, you know, it's, it's funny because now like, you know, like with the rise of like things like Stranger Things and uh, what was that show that got canceled really quick? Everything sucks, which was based in the <laughs> '90s. Like people are starting to say like, "Oh, like Hollywood's just capitalizing on on our nostalgia now." And I like, I kind of like it. Like I kind of like the uh, just kind of like the reminder. And it's not something new that Hollywood has done. Hollywood's been doing oh, yeah. this for decades. Like, come on, Back to the Future. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, forget, uh, what was the show with uh, Fred Savage? Uh, the Wonder Years. Oh, my fucking Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to talk about The Wonder Years with you guys. Like, <laughs> like, like it's so great. But, but like, it's, it's, it's not new. It's just that I think now it's, like, I guess you can say Gen Z has now made, like, nostalgia, like, an aesthetic, you know, like, with, with yeah. Stranger Things and all those type of things. It's crazy, but I like me some good old nostalgia. Well, I think it's I think it's like a commentary on the the way that like honestly more of like capitalism than it is about media mm-hmm. because it's like they've just got better at commodifying these feelings that people have. Yes. They've always they've always, you know, I think film if anything filmmaking and media in general has like been more of an ode to like filmmakers and creators personal nostalgia but now it's like you know now there's more full teams that are trying specifically to commodify people's feelings of nostalgia for a profit which you know there's a there's a it's a dual-edged sword sometimes it's great sometimes it's um yeah it feels icky but (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean sometimes it feels nice though like i went i went to the uh a couple months ago i went to the like stranger things like drive-in experience Oh, which was that. it was amazing it was it was it was pretty great it, it felt more like a uh it felt like one of those shows at universal studios like uh what was it they remember the sh- the um the water world show where you kind of like go through this kind of like story but you're kind of like watching passively but mm. you know the actors and everything interact with you so you feel like you're part of it that's what it felt like and at the end of it and this is where you could say like it kind of feels icky like it was so much like merch where it was like, oh, yeah, get yourself an 80s gym bag. It's like, whoa, like, I don't need a gym bag, let alone an 80s one, but I kind of want it because it's like, it's, it's an 80s gym bag. Like, oh, my God, it's a it's an 80s style, like, Letterman jacket from Hawkins uh, High School. It's I want that stuff. But it was, it. some could say that's icky. Me, I'm just like, that's great. Like, like, yeah. like if I could walk out in 2021 in a jacket that looked like it came from the 80s and people go... Hey, I like it. I'm like, hey, you guys did good. You guys did good. Well, I think that yeah, that's 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 the the ups and the downs of capitalism. Is it's like, in in the world that we live in, sometimes it feels like there's so few pure sources of joy. And if it if a jacket like that is gonna make you happy, you know, it's like okay, well, we're all part of the system. <laughs> Might as well get a little bit of joy out of it. Might you know? as well, right? We're already in <laughs> making the capitalism work for you. Really. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
gotta gotta seize those moments where you can exactly exactly (laughs) so let's talk about like tv versus like film through like a nostalgic lens so like what do you think like has more longevity when it comes to like nostalgia like do you think like tv is like a place to play in the nostalgia world even more or like do you like it when like a film like tends to do that like which sorry i'm like looking at my notes here which do we uh, focus on more like after the fact Hmm. my like gut decision i think movies kind of like has the longevity of nostalgia just because they're like they're packing in a lot in like two hours right so you're able to kind of view i guess view it in its little like realm and chasm and then as years Mm -hmm. go by you can kind of visit it whereas tv can go on for years and it's an ongoing thing and it'll borrow from different places so the nostalgia can kind of wane at certain times but i don't know Mm. i think movies i'm just my immediate thought anytime when i hear nostalgia is like back to the future for movies like you know (laughs) and there's there's definitely a lot of films that i think films in general just I think have a longer like shelf life in terms of people's memories mm-hmm. um, but Bobby I think it's really cool that like a lot of times I see you focus on um, like shows like childhood television shows um, and I do think that a lot of people kind of you, you put it away in a part of your brain that you don't even really access on a regular basis so having a light shined on it like focuses in on your personal nostalgia but also it's not something that comes to that that immediately comes to mind um when you're when you're thinking about you know childhood memories like i think about shows um that that came on that like that aren't like big ones that people remember but um like i can't i think i think you might have talked about the show i don't remember is it called rocket like the one on nickelodeon where the kids skate skate rocket power (laughs) power. yeah 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 Yeah, they're skateboarding like that's like that's like one and like even like the wild thornberries like there was like that whole age in like nickelodeon tell it was on nickelodeon right yeah um where like a lot of these shows have like a similar style but it's like kind of hard to recall them off the top of your mind when you're like thinking about things yeah absolutely like the I think you're talking like Klasky Chupo, like that's the yes the animation studio that really like we can owe most of our Nickelodeon nostalgia to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. Like they they you put them in the back of your mind and you're like, oh, I kind of remember that show. And then now with my page, I've gone back and like watched some of these shows in their entireties because a lot of them, I don't think a lot of people realize that these shows didn't run for very long. Like a show like Hey Arnold only had like, I think four seasons total. And then it just like got pushed into syndication um, Mm -hmm. so much. But as soon as you like revisit it, it's it's the weirdest feeling when you're immediately taken back to that place that you were when you were a kid and you're like, oh my gosh, like, all these memories are like flooding back and it's it's insane Uh, let me tell you this though let me let me tell you this rocket power has never been pushed to the back of my mind rocket power (laughs) has been my identity for decades okay like i still use the term shuby when like i like come across someone that's like at the beach and they're being a little obnoxious i'm like you're fucking shuby like i me, me and my brothers, like whenever we meet, we still do like the woogity 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 woogity. Like I call people squid, and nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. But I'm like, you're not a rider on a mission, okay? We are riders <laughs> on a mission. <laughs> Rocket I mean, power has been an essential part of my identity for years, man. How did, I, how did I not know? How did I not know this? We're gonna, you're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to remind myself because I don't remember. I don't remember any of it. Let me tell you. And I look. 
I wanted to skateboard so fucking bad. Like I was this close to being a skateboarder <laughs> in my life because Rocket Power made it seem so goddamn cool. And like, I, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm like go to the X Games. I'm a scooter. I'm a I'm a rollerblade. I'm gonna do everything in like the most extreme way possible. And fuck, man, Rocket Power was. That's why I got so excited when you said it, like when you couldn't figure it out. I was like, Megan, you are not forgetting the Rocket Power, Reggie, Squid, Maurice. So. I feel like Hey Arnold, especially for millennials, is like it's one of the shows that people remember constantly. So do you think that we could say that like Hey Arnold is like the Sy- the Seinfeld of children's television? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's so it's so smart. And in watching it, I'm rewatching the whole series because I want to talk about it. Literally all of the classic episodes that we remember happened in the first season. Like, wow, Doop Kid um like Helga's like makeover like all these like great episodes that are now have gone into the ether of like television history all in the first season and it definitely has that like Seinfeld aspect of it like the Larry David just super just smart like it wasn't it was a show that allowed kids to like that met kids where they were as far as like their intelligence they didn't make it seem like the kids were smarter than the adults like they didn't you know, make it seem like adults were here and kids were here. Like they showed this like urban environment that had a lot of different characters and like it was it's it's so good. It's, it's just, yeah. It's much well, better than people give it credit for. Absolutely. Like Arnold living with his grandparents even, I feel like it 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 set up a different kind of family dynamic where I think there's like a little bit more like even playing field between like the, the adults, the parents and the children, I feel like. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's yeah. um, it, I think a lot of Nickelodeon shows kind of had different family dynamics that they kind of introduced. Like with the show, like Doug, you had a more traditional family structure. Uh, hey Arnold, he was raised by his grandparents, Rugrats. It was kind of like a, you know, community aspect of it where mm-hmm. like all the babies all the parents were kind of like raising their kids at the same time. Like right. so many different dynamics were happening. Like as told by gender, like 10 years after that with just like gender's mom being single and everything. Like, yeah, it was great. What I like about Rugrats, especially now that I'm a parent is I feel like Rugrats, um, I, I can think back on episodes now as an adult and realize that like, the adults of that show like never had their shit together. And like they were, <laughs> they were they very lost their much kids like- every episode. Exactly. <laughs> Every episode, they were fucking up, man. Those those parents, like every episode, was like, "Let's go to this place." Oh shit, you lost your kid for like two hours, <laughs> and you didn't even know. Like those parents. Uh, but um, uh, Hey Arnold was actually like one of my favorite shows, like of all time. Hey Arnold actually, I said Rocket Power shaped my identity. I think Hey Arnold definitely holds that title because Arnold is a is a character which is very like compassionate very uh more he was so mature beyond his age like he was helping he helped a freaking one of his friends who was who immigrated to america find his lost daughter after like 30 years or some shit like this was a fourth grader let's not forget hey Ron was a fourth grader <laughs> helping adults with like real adult problems because he was just that mature beyond his age but I left for like a little bit because I actually own the complete series of Hey Arnold like on on a DVD. I actually have what? It. I I just moved, so like I think it's like in a box filled with my other like collections and everything. That's but amazing. I, I've watched it, and Hey Arnold was like, it was no joke. Like there was it was dealing with things in a kids show that made me like question 
is this really a kid show? Like, first? Well, and, like, ugh. Hey Arnold as a character reminds me a lot of, like, Calvin and Hobbes. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. Arnold is almost presented more of, like, as a philosopher-type character in the way that he views the world. Like, he's very, um, like, pensive, I feel like, yes. and, like, not your typical kid. And, and he says a lot of really poignant things that you're, like... And a lot of it, I feel like, is played for comedy in the show. Um, but I think it's really effective. I think it's, I think it's, it's really endearing to adults as well. You know, yeah, I want to compare sure. like Arnold a little bit to like, cause like I feel like a lot of shows, and this is where I feel like Harry Arnold was like way ahead of its time. I feel like a lot of shows that have to deal with like just kids, like wise kids, they overdo the kid being as smart as they are. Like you just, yeah, like cause that's the joke. They're like, oh wow, they're really smart, and they say all these like really like insightful things like uh uh Huey from the Boondocks for example he was just like that kid who was just he would say things and you're just like this isn't a kid this is like a an adult in a kid's body but Arnold very much seemed like a kid he just had like a lot of questions and he just was very matter of fact about everything like hey if you want like I can't remember I think his name was Arnie Arnie the little tiny the small dude that lived in his uh boarding house uh he he was subconscious about uh, the way he looked and he wanted to get with it was someone who had the voice of jennifer tilly it was a one who had the voice of jennifer <laughs> tilly and he was in love with her and arnold was just kind of like hey man why don't you just go over there and talk to her and if she doesn't like you for who you are then you know that's just her loss like she, if she doesn't want to get to know you because of how you look then maybe that's someone that you don't want to be with and it's like it's such a simple answer and the fact that, like, you know, an adult, like, needs help seeing that from a fourth grader, they didn't overplay that Arnold was like, yeah, I'm smarter than you. He's just like, no, I'm a kid, and, like, I see things in a very, like, simplistic view, and that's, it's it's true. So that, right, it was, like, stuff like that in, in the show that made me go, like, this show is, like, way beyond anything that all the other kid shows were doing at the time. Yeah, I think personally, like, in just reading about it, I think it borrowed a lot from very like early seasons Simpsons like mm-hmm. and it makes sense because Craig Bartlett and Matt Groening are brother-in-law so I'm sure they probably wow. shared some I don't know storytelling abilities I don't know <laughs> I assume that that's what they talked about <laughs> um but it I feel like Arnold kind of has that uh the wisdom that some episodes of like maybe like the first four seasons of the Simpsons had where it's just it was super simple like you said like very simple to the point, but the way that they did it and like how the story would unfold was just so poignant and like it just was able to stick with you for a long time. They weren't trying to make anything too complex because at the end of the day, it's a show for kids. You don't want to make it too out there to where like a kid would get lost in the story, but giving it to them like not in a way that's patronizing. Yeah, I think that a lot of shows of that time really did a great job in not talking down to kids as an audience which i feel like like nickelodeon especially has kind of always done a better job at even shows like spongebob i think um that at the at the time of their release a lot of i remember adults being like this isn't appropriate for children um but it's like no i mean you you can make media for kids that's not pedantic you know like there's there's no reason i feel like a lot of stuff in modern television um, kind of forgets that or, or yeah. even media that's like 
for adults but about children like the show young sheldon comes to mind and i absolutely hate the big bang theory <laughs> and i <laughs> i I, hate, I never watched the show young sheldon um but like in all of the advertising it really like straw hat you were talking about that trope of like the the overly intelligent and mature child that just doesn't read child and i know that sheldon is like an autistic at least coded character um and like he's you know he's got different different things for the way that he is but it just it's right. all, that that whole thing just felt very inauthentic to me and very like it. played as a joke yeah yeah <laughs> neither did i <laughs> literally that's the worst thing being a nerd is for there was this long period in my life where people were like oh my god you like uh, you like comic books you know what you would Big what show you would love because you're a nerd and i was like yes! <laughs> first of all stop hate criming me no exactly right right <laughs> It's, it's just it's that I, I watched an episode because I tried to get through it and it's literally just shouting nerd geek references for a half hour. And, and like, it's you guys making want me to like fun this? of nerds. Like yeah. we're not in on the that's not how, you know, like it also is very reductive because it's like, oh, this is what a nerd looks like. And this is the oh, they're all socially. I mean, I am socially awkward, but, you know, not all <laughs> nerds are. But I'm not so. like that. <laughs> This, I'm like, this is what I look like to you guys? Like, okay. Yeah. Like, whatever. Also, let's just sprinkle in a lot of misogyny. It's like, okay, well, ooh, let's if, the, not. If there was a word for racist for nerds, <laughs> Big Bang Theory is it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bobby was spot on. It's definitely a hate crime. It feels, it feels like a hate it, That is how I take people who put, and I haven't seen the show, so, but people put in my comments a lot like, okay, Abed. And I'm like, who is that? And apparently oh, it's gosh. a character from Community. And when I ask, um, my friend, like, okay, you've seen the show. Who is this person? They're like, it's this socially like awkward guy who wants to be a filmmaker. That's not you. And I was like, okay, first of all, now people are hate crumbing me in my comments. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and like, so I'm going to tell you this. You've, you've got to watch Community. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. It is amazing. And Abed is a great character. But that is that is a very ridiculous comparison to make because you're obviously – your your channel is very much like a scripted more like a video essay type thing like mm -hmm. no one no one should be watching that thinking oh this is her natural speech pattern and this is the way that she has a conversation right. with someone <laughs> no <laughs> whereas abed is like again probably like an autistic coded uh character that right. is like you know has trouble relating to the world and he relates to them through pop culture references but yeah but yeah people <laughs> People, uh, people really make a lot of comments that they shouldn't. So. Yeah. I watch Community, and I and I know the character, and I kind of like know his his quirks. You don't have that. Like I don't, I don't no. really like. I no. even they watching that. I'm like, brown pop culture. Oh, that's you. That's you. <laughs> that's fine. Yep. That's and that's a. That's, I've seen. I've I've seen uh, connections made on TikTok for a lot less in common. So you oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this Venn diagram. Look at this Venn diagram. Here. <laughs> We'll just put them, put them in that box. Yep. That little circle. Yep. They intersect. They must be the same. Who knows? But oh, for man. real, you guys should both watch Community. It's left definitely my like favorite sitcom, I think, of all time. It's it's so good. It's on okay, my list. For sure. But I wanna like also like talk about cause I cause I know, Megan, you mentioned like, you know, the long like longevity of TV versus film. And I know Bobby, you also mentioned that like movies have more of that, like you, you know, longevity in terms of like nostalgia. Me, I'm I'm gonna go the other way and I'm gonna say like TV probably does. Mostly because like when I look when I see movies, right, like 
there are some movies that are like extremely dated, like very much like when they, they drop in like an actor or that's only specific for that time period. Like when I was watching the first Spider-Man the other day, Macy Gray fucking makes an appearance. The fucking, <laughs> the one who sings the theme, the one whose biggest claim to fame is the theme song for As Told by Ginger. Was and it she Sp- bodied it though. Was she, it so good. she bodied it. No, she bodied it. And, but when I see that scene in, in Spider-Man, I'm like, someone once told me the grass was much greener. On the other side. <laughs> Bodied it. But, uh, but like, yeah, so, like, in terms of, like, when I see movies, like, they tend to kind of almost, tra- if a movie's, like, good enough, right, it almost transcends, like, that nostalgic, like, feeling. Like, Back to the Future is, like, timeless. Like, you can, you can watch, no matter, I think forever, like, if you're watching that movie, whether today, 10 years ago, 20 years from now, that movie's just gonna be, like, a movie that's just set in a certain time period. I don't really get nostalgia from it one because i wasn't born when it came out two like it was all it was already kind of like this iconic thing by the time it came out same thing with star wars right um but with shows i feel like shows more so than movies have like a kind of like snapshot into the time period of what who like of what they're trying to do friends for instance like you can't look at friends and be like oh yeah, this is made in 2010. It's not even made in like maybe 08. No, it definitely feels like a early, late 90s, early 2000s like type of show. Same thing with like, you know, uh, uh, Saved by the Bell. Dripping with like 80s and it's like you couldn't really make that unless it was like in the 80s, you know? So when I see these like type of, especially like as we're talking like Hey Arnold and all these type of things, you look at these shows, they're talking on like telephones, there's not a cell phone in sight. Like a lot of times they're not even on the computer. There's no laptops. You're just like, oh yeah, this is, it's timeless. But at the same time, you can just kind of tell that it's from a different time period. And if you're from that time period, then that's when that nostalgia glass, the nostalgia starts to really get in, get in on it. So. Well, I think for our generation specifically, the lines are really blurred because the medium of television and film have always been separated by the experience, you know, Mm -hmm. the way that you experience it. And around when I was a kid, um, you know, VHS tapes were very common. Um, And even, you know, DVDs uh, came out when I was a kid. Um, But like when I was a very small child, I I had a huge collection of VHS tapes of videos. Mm -hmm. And I think that like for kids especially, going to the movies and like seeing a movie in theaters is a very big grand experience and I think that there's this idea that it makes a bigger impression on you and maybe it makes a more lasting memory which is why we remember the movies that affected us as kids but tv is more intimate tv is your saturday mornings every week tv is your experience with your siblings when you're just living your life and I think that that's why these characters like in these shows like hey arnold and and um so so many of these shows they reflect our own life and they're they're almost intrinsically just like linked to our everyday experience right. that it, i think it's it's more formative but it it it's it's more easily forgettable because it just becomes a part of you like you you pick up these characteristics from these these characters that you love and it forms you as a person and so i think that it's easier to look back and say what what's the media that impacted you so much as a kid like oh i love the movie labyrinth like obviously my mm-hmm. my door hoggers like <laughs> i like oh th- there's these movies that really affected me and i did watch them on vhs tapes over and over and over again but the tv that i watched um, I think it gives kids like a realistic, especially because so much more TV is like aimed 
at the the life the daily life of kids right. you know like yeah. recess and hey arnold and, and all of these shows that are literally just like about what the day-to-day experience the for a kid is exactly um so good so it's like it's you just kind of you just kind of it, it like molds itself into right, you right. and you don't quite uh, like you know associate it as strongly even though it, it's arguably a bigger part of your of your childhood you know quick mm-hmm. quick question for everybody in the in the virtual room how, <laughs> how, many, how many of us had the orange vhs tape of rugrats the movie oh my god yes i yeah. did not um, <gasps> I... we're old Okay, well, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I was like at the right when they stopped doing the orange VHSs and then moved to like the DVD. So like I had Rugrats in Paris on DVD, if that counts. But... Was it orange though? <laughs> that's what they should have did. The shell of they the DVD yeah. case was orange. Okay, okay that's you get good a pass. Too. You get a pass. Okay. I was really, I really was hoping that that DVD though, the whole DVD was gonna be like an orange <laughs> disc. <laughs> like I was like like oh my god like and I opened it so disappointed. <laughs> Just looks like this neon green radioactive <laughs> color. This is Rugrats. Step up your game. I mean, I'm the oldest one here, and I I strong like I have a visceral memory of the first DVD we ever bought. It was Shrek, and we like bought a DVD player, and we bought Shrek together, and it was like a whole thing. It was a yes. big deal. Me too. <laughs> I got Shrek as well. Like um, it, was, it was great. Like it was amazing. It was like. I remember, it's like the future. I remember, like, I didn't have a DVD player, but I remember finding out that my computer, like, our brand new Dell, we're getting a Dell, bro. Like, <laughs> those Dell commercials. The Talk Dell about commercial. nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dell, man. Like, this is what we're talking about. Like, it became a part of us because I specifically remember finding out my we're getting a Dell, Dell computer had a fucking DVD player, and I was like, we need to get a DVD. We ran to Costco, right? And I remember like going through all the DVDs and for some reason, like the cases of the DVDs, it was like the DVD case. And for some reason, Costco did this thing where there was a box that covered the oh, DVD yeah. case mm-hmm. and were, it was long. So like- Well, because you can't steal it, Julian, because it's very valuable. It's, it's very valuable. This is the, the, the future of technology, this DVD right here. So we Costco long... has to protect their assets. <laughs> Come on. So we put a long cardboard box on it. It's like, hey, no one's gonna steal this. <laughs> Very valuable stuff. The DVDs at Costco. Yeah. I was so disappointed because I thought the DVD came with extras because it was like ten feet long, and I, when I opened it, it was empty. Like that—that like, that is actually devastating. That's, as that a is kid, really two thousand one. Yeah. I was nine. Goddamn! Like what the fuck? Uh, so, funnily so, enough, Shrek was my first VHS. Weird thing. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. I'm not That's like a weird reverse uh <laughs> So you didn't have the orange VHS and you got Shrek as your on first... <laughs> That was like my first VHS and I could quote the like opening uh like trailers and stuff for it mm-hmm. to this day because I wore that VHS out. Yes. So we talked about TV and the importance of like the experience of movies and Nickelodeon shows, but I wanna just let's jump into Disney Channel original movies because <gasps> like that that was also like a big deal like yes. and it was it's weird because it's like a weird hybrid of like TV and movies because it did I, I feel like a lot of them felt like a big event and like you had everyone would talk about them like Absolutely. the next week in school oh, but it was like a totally weird thing eight o'clock Friday night after school yeah. <laughs> like, the new decom you see the kids jumping up doing the splits yeah <laughs> 
I feel like we need to like do like the the Mickey Mouse ears thing. On the that's how we should. That's how we should introduce the show. Hey, this is Straw Hat Goofy. <laughs> And you're watching Geeks of the Week. (laughs) I remember the the night that High School Musical premiered and the next day it was like everyone was talking about their favorite songs and like immediately everyone was like, I love Troy so much. And like it was a happening like at my school. Like it was a big deal. Yeah. But it's so funny though because this is the I don't know how Disney Channel has consistently does it because like High School Musical was like a little bit after my time like I I'm even older than Straw Hat and like I I think I was still in high school when it came out but I was like a senior so it was like also I was like in Europe we, we didn't watch the Disney Channel we were you know we were mm-hmm. it didn't come on TV we were worried about how to get like a VPN so we could watch you know mm-hmm. I don't know it, movies illegally or something I'm sure I, I don't I don't <laughs> even remember it was like a whole thing but like. I, I remember the obsession. My my younger sister was in middle school and like it was a huge thing. And it's funny because it just it felt it felt like I was watching it happen from an outside perspective because I remember being there like when you talked about like Brink, that Disney Channel original yeah. movie, yeah. which I fucking loved. <laughs> the Cheetah Girls. That oh. was like that was a whole thing. Like I remember like every girl that I went to school with being obsessed with finding some cheetah print clothing. I mean like I didn't it, like it, the Cheetah it, Girls growing up. <laughs> I didn't like the Cheetah Girls. I mean, girls. not the Cheetah Girls aren't for everybody. I, you know, no, I, was, yeah. I was a very I had crushes on all the Cheetah Girls for show. Well, I didn't, <laughs> that I makes didn't sense. Watch. That makes sense. I'm telling you. Raven. There's a Disney Channel original <laughs> movie that I, I would, I, I die for. My sister and I talk about it still to this day. And it's called, um, I think it's called Wish Upon a Star. I don't know <sighs> if either of you guys have heard, heard of it. Yes. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Faint in my memory, but I do remember seeing. Is it, it the one with Tweety? It, it had from... Catherine Heigl in it. Mm-hmm. She, in... yeah, she played like the hot older sister, and the the two sisters they're very different, and they they like body swap. It was a body swap movie. Oh. It was it was iconic. It's very iconic. <laughs> I remember um, this now. <laughs> but it's like I think I think it actually wasn't. I think that one actually is like from the nineties. Like I can't quite remember, but it is. That's a, it's an older one for sure. <laughs> But it's funny because like the Disney Channel, they've just been doing this for like thirty years, and like they yeah. just they don't miss. No, they it, they, they never missed. It, like it's <laughs> it's they always had like the they all because like, I can think the marketing because they they really created a culture around their Disney Channel original movies. Like they would yeah. literally be like, "Oh, come watch Don't Look Under the Bed a month from now," and they would like drop you like little clips and yes. like, just little scenes. They had like behind the scenes like alluded and like trailers and stuff on the they they really their marketing team was like they on went point for and that all shit. those things and then like <laughs> so then like by the time it came out you will be like oh my god I'm so excited for this movie they announced a month ago and then you're yeah. gonna watch it the following month while they hype up the next movie plus play their Man. other things like it's just like like dude Disney Channel Disney originally. really played us they they knew <laughs> they knew how to get they, in our brains they oh just had us just like dangling that carrot <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, you guys remember TGI Fridays? Mm-hmm. Like the best mm-hmm. part of being a kid. Sabrina yeah. the Teenage Witch used to come on on TGI Fridays. Mm-hmm. So that was my shit. Oh, yeah. Alex Mack. I mean, I'm I'm the oldest one here, so I'm probably like this is I'm dating myself. But hey, Alex, the shit was amazing. Alex Mack was great, but Alex Mack was so awesome. Alex Mack, Alex Mack. It was like this was like the dynamic duo because I felt like these two were like very much alike. It was Alex Mack, and then it was um, what was the, Clarissa explains it all. Oh my oh, god, yeah. yes. Yeah. Marissa oh, Joan Hart. 
she oh melissa melissa joan hart she yep. was she was like just a, such an icon everyone i know in elementary school wanted to be here like and this was pre-sabrina days too so this was like mm-hmm. like if you were on that melissa joan hart it was because clarissa explained it all to you at one point so <laughs> yes then yes. we got sabrina sabrina the teenage witch is such a good show and i feel like salem the cat is one of my all-time favorite like tv characters he's mm-hmm. so funny Oh yeah, he's incredible, and he's like, really incredible. Go ahead. I think the voice of the of Salem is I can't remember. He was on Angry Beavers as one of the Beavers, like Daggett. That... No, he was Norbert. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, he was. <laughs> God. He was. I, was I couldn't remember which one he was, but yeah, he's he's Norbert. This fucking blew my mind because I'm hearing the voices right now. It's Norbert. I literally forgot that two Angry Beavers existed until right this moment. So it, I'm having a moment. It oh has my. one of the best, like most underrated TV theme songs ever. It's so good. It's so simple. No lyrics. It's like, com- it's like coming and, back to me now. And like, just like, can we just like, hold up? Because I would like to park this conversation to talk about Angry Beavers for a little bit. Because like, let's, <laughs> let's like, let's like think about the premise of the show two beavers that have come of age were kicked out of their house and now are living on their own for the first time like people say like these shows don't teach us about life this show was teaching kids how to like live on their own like after their parents kicked them out the house and so I, like i didn't realize it till right now these guys were basically just roommates like just hanging out it's like oh there was a whole episode where they were like yo man why do we go to bed like at a certain time every night? Oh, because mom and dad always told us to go to bed. But guys, mom and dad's not here anymore. We can stay up as late as we want. And they end up like staying up like the whole night. And what was funny, the end of the episode, they like walk outside. And then like apparently like 20 years has passed. And they were like, dang it. How long were we away? <laughs> oh, Such a good show. I love that show. I love oh that Nickelodeon gosh. really synced in on that like voice actor synergy because I think I can't remember the voice actor's name for uh, Norbit Norbert, um, but Daggett is the same voice as Invader Zim, so like they oh my God. constantly would, like recycle <laughs> voice act and that I was that kid. I never I rarely focused on live action actors. I was always about like I know that voice, Rob Paulson. I know who that is, Debbie Derryberry. I know who that is. Like that was me. That was I had so many friends as a kid, as you can tell. Like, it, I mean, oh yes, just same, as much as we definitely. Did. <laughs> so, so many friends, I couldn't keep track of them all, which is why I can't remember their names. Parties at my house That's... every TGI Friday. <laughs> I I got invited to so many things, I just I couldn't go to all of them. Exactly, you know, how can you choose? Then you just got to say no to everybody. That's the only fair option is to just stay home alone and watch TGI Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Invader Zim was a huge like I I was mm-hmm. obsessed with Invader Zim. Same. I even bought um, the creator. I can't remember what the creator's comic book was, but it was significantly darker than creators than Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. I gotta Google it now. Invader Zim was pretty uh, dark though. Like yeah, like, yeah. I, I remember yeah. watching it and like li- like truly as a child feeling sorry for their world because like not only was everyone on that planet stupid, like 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 legit stupid. Like the the school. The school's name was just school and it was spelled wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So I was just like, and that way there, I was like, there is no hope for this planet. But that also like kind of emphasized how incompetent Zim was, how he came to this planet filled with idiots and he can't conquer it. So. Oh yeah. No, this, yeah. No, I Googled it. Uh, John Vasquez, 
uh, or J- John N. Vasquez, he created a Johnny the Homicidal Maniac comic, which is really? it was really that. super dark. It was very it was very like early two thousands like hot topic goth kid kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which was very much my vibe. <laughs> uh, so it was it was very like I, I was like oh yeah like you know it's about this kid who like is a homicidal murderer and he tortures people. I'm really you know I'm I'm a really edgy thirteen year old. So you know what you know. I'm gonna Google that now too because that sounds very. Fi- I think I feel like that had a show as well. What was the name of that? They again? they might have Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I'm pretty sure that also had a show. That's like cause... it was it was very they they definitely leaned into like the this is inappropriate for children, but children are definitely gonna be the target audience because they love Invader Sim. Oh my <laughs> freaking gosh! This, yeah, you're fucking right. I think this did have a show. He looks just like Dib. He does. Yeah, mm. I. I think the character, there's basically he's Dib, um, who's been driven <laughs> insane by Zim and now kills people. <laughs> like, I mean, love that for him. I, right? I <laughs> what mean, a journey. Was it going to go anywhere else, though? Because Dib. Poor Dib. Poor fucking Dib. Like, not only was, like, Dib was the <laughs> only kid, like, only person on that planet that was, like, the most rational person. And no matter what he said, no matter how much proof he had, no one, not even his scientific genius of a father believed him. Yep. And I'm surprised he didn't like like fuck people up on a daily basis. Like well, I'm surprised. And let's be real. Like I've mo- a lot of days. I feel like our reality is like uh, teetering on irredeemable in terms of humanity. Um, humans in Invader Zim like deserve to be conquered. They like need Planet it. Earth was a nightmare in that show. Like mm-hmm. everyone was bad. It was just full of bad people. Like <laughs> maybe delve into Pixar and the <gasps> nostalgia behind. Yes. I mean, because they they basically like animated films are very nostalgic in general for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I feel like Pixar that's their whole brand is like making giving hitting people in the feels right in their nostalgia. Yep, oh yeah. Yep. It it started out, I mean, like Toy Story, prime example, them using like toys that were, that are, that exist in our world. Like, so they automatically kind of were able to kind of start churning out that, that nostalgia. And then by the time we got to Toy Story 2, when you get Barbie and then now like the universe expands and everyone's like on board, it's, yeah. Yeah. I think, Mm. I think like when it comes to like Pixar in general, like the, when it comes to Pixar nostalgia, the first thing that pops into my mind is the underrated Bugs Life, a Bugs Life movie, because that that right there, because yeah. you know we think of Toy Story now, and like people tend to forget that that was Pixar's first feature because now they're like this super mega big franchise. They've had Toy Story three, Toy Story four. They see them all as like one thing, and like people tend to forget that that was like early Pixar. But when I look at a bug's life like not only from like an animation standpoint like this 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 is where you could tell like pixar is like trying to like figure out like the kinks in their kind of like formula it's nowhere near as like as deep as like later pixar films got and by later i mean like toy story 2 which came out like (laughs) the next year where it got really deep but it's 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 still like a it's just a very fun fuzzy light-hearted film about a guy who just wants to make a difference in his community. He wants to be remembered. And yeah. looking at that, like, as an adult, I'm like, I, I relate to this so fucking much, especially when you're having, like, this kind of, like, like pre-midlife crisis. You're just kind of like, <laughs> what have I done with my life? How, who's going to remember me? And, like, Pixar did, like, I feel like if Bugs Life was made today, it would it would hit just as hard as, say, like, an Up or a uh, or a Soul or something like that because it's existential. But, and, but... In terms of like nostalgia, it's like just a fun, 
kids film very lighthearted, bright colors funny cute characters i love it yeah i feel like a bug's life is maybe their most whimsical movie mm-hmm. it's like very much just like just like appreciating the, the story and the ride that you go along with it you know i feel like a lot a lot of pixar films now and i i appreciate it so much but are just like very emotionally heavy mm-hmm. and i think i think a bug's life is is really um light light hearted and it it still you know it still has the the deep weight of like you know what's gonna how how it's gonna all shake out are the ants gonna be okay but i feel like it doesn't quite like uh punch you in the gut like like a lot of pixar movies do now it it punches you in the gut like 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 retroactively like knowing like who kevin spacey is now and now you're just kind of like are the bugs it's not only like are the bugs gonna escape hopper it's like are the bugs gonna be saved from kevin spacey (laughs) (laughs) please someone help them i didn't realize how like great of a cast is in that movie like yeah Yeah. david hyde pierce which i am a frazier stan i love frazier so i love Mm -hmm. him um but like jld julia louis dreyfus like amazing dave foley i believe flick is yeah it's all these people that are like oh yeah like i know that person but as soon you just realize that they fit the role so well Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like they were doing stunt casting which like right some yeah some movies definitely lean into right i want to like <laughs> like throw out like, talk about like nostalgia you remember who the voice of dot was uh Hay- hayden panettiere hayden freaking panettiere was the voice of dot <laughs> wow wow <laughs> i know wow. that's like double like oh wow and she was also in the disney channel original movie tiger cruise so disney had her <laughs> locked up <laughs> for for a minute remember the titans like the the premise of tiger cruise yikes but just saying just saying but hey hey i'm telling you man people forget hayden panettiere like back then for disney was just like golden child and it was like underrated too like she's one of the few like child stars to not go crazy like she every role she got knocked it out of the park and like she was she i will argue she's the heart and soul of a bug's life like she's the uh she's the thing that she's the engine that kind of makes that movie go because that was i mean it was a great child performance a lot of child actors don't get that nuanced which was it's impressive remember like true confessions like with with shia labeouf shia labeouf was he he is incredibly talented mm-hmm. i mean like holes was, oh a, my God. was oh. a whole thing yes yes i mean holes. like holes is holes is, i mean i feel like every millennial alive like has very visceral memories of of when you saw holes and how it impacted you like it's you know yeah he he was he he was a very much like an actor of of our generation especially a child actor of our generation and i feel like so many of us like resonated with with many of his roles oh yeah Yeah. when i like his he was on another level when it was in when he was in holes like he was acting amongst all these people his age but it just felt like he was on Sigourney Weaver, John Voight's like level. Yeah, like in that yeah. film. Yeah, oh man. gosh. Also, down no, that's what I was about to say. The song. <laughs> Let's talk about the song. It was like the, bad song. The song was dope. I still remember it. A R M P I to the T. What's that? You smelling dog? That's me. I don't know if we'll get dinged for like copyright, so I'm gonna just stop right there. But like, <laughs> well, and Holes is another one too that it didn't talk down to its audience of children. It really approached this heavy subject matter, uh, in in 
is such a nuanced way that you know treated kids like they were emotionally mature enough yeah. to, to handle yeah. which i really respect especially like the whole like uh st- uh the kissing k barlow storyline like sam and like him dealing with like rampant racism the fact that yes racist murdered him strictly for being a black man kissing a white woman like yep. that <laughs> you forget <laughs> that that was a movie made for kids exactly i haven't been traumatized that much by from hearing a black man get shot than i was when i watched that martin luther king cartoon like i don't know if like my friend martin my friend martin oh my god every year every year January (laughs) you just and it was always like you it was always like the it was the bambi like type of effect where Mm -hmm. like you knew that martin luther king was gonna get assassinated the character knew and it was like that beautiful sense of dramatic tension and uh, megan i don't know if you've ever saw this like kind of like i'm i'm googling it now yeah, yeah i haven't seen it like it was just this moment where like he's like martin it was like a back to the future moment. I was like martin i have to tell you about the future and like martin's like oh, oh it's okay dude God. like you just and like right before he goes like gets sucked back to his present you literally hear the gunshot that killed Martin Luther King. And it's one of the most heartbreaking moments. It's, <laughs> because oh because God. you're like, oh, you're, I'm you're like going to start crying right it's, now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty. Oh. And then they like show like the funeral footage in black and white. And it's, yeah. I, I grew up in Georgia. And so like 20 minutes outside of Atlanta. So obviously MLK events massive where i was yeah and so seeing that every single year multiple times in a year um trauma a little bit of trauma, trauma. oh my god people used to it talk about it in the hallways hey we're gonna watch my my friend martin today <laughs> <laughs> you're ready to, oh, god. <laughs> you ready for but this? it's like one of those things again that's like it's i feel like it's something that you you it's it's a hard line of when to address things like this with kids of like what age is the best age but i do think it's something that the earlier you introduced the less of a shock it's going to be you know mm-hmm. when when they're older and you know understanding these things about the world and and experiences that that you are going to have to prepare yourself for like it's you know it's it's it sucks and as a parent it breaks my heart like thinking about having having to get to a point where you have to like you know have these kinds of conversations with your kids but i mean i think media should address this kind of stuff because it's 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 one of the best ways i think to to communicate that to a kid like to you know get address these 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 horribly difficult topics yeah Yeah, it's exactly what we were talking about right like what what nickelodeon did well i feel like what nickelodeon did that was far better than how disney did their children's media is they tackled these like really heavy subject matters but just in like kind of like more nuanced subtle like kind of like digestible way for kids to kind of like latch onto it and not be traumatized like say like uh because i feel like disney does this thing where they're like what they were doing this thing where uh when we when we drop a heavy topic we're gonna have a whole like five minute speech about it like oh wow like you shouldn't be racist and it gets like kind of corny whereas like in um shows like hey arnold and shows like rocket power they deal with that type of stuff like head on you know Mm -hmm. so like i I really that's why i kind of like gravitated more like i love disney channel as much but i kind of like gravitated more towards nickelodeon i've always felt like nickelodeon was the marvel to disney's dc where it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like they're more they're more consistent exactly yeah like so consistent disney makes a big spectacle of everything but nickelodeon was always offering you like relatable engaging content for kids like every day and they didn't make a big deal about it because like they were they just 
if they made a big deal about every show, and God, I mean, I think about the shows on Nickelodeon, again, that just, like, treated kids with a level of, uh, an assumed level of understanding that a lot of kids' media didn't. Like, um, like, all that for kids. It was all that. I mean, literally. Yes. It was iconic. What was that show that had, like, Kablam? Kablam. Like, all the shows, like. There was some really interesting oh, yeah, and experimental well. media back on back on Nickelodeon back in the day that I just I'm I'm still impressed with to this day. Yeah, it's now, so good. Can we can we like talk about the kablams and all that's really quick because like yes, I, like, <laughs> I, really, I really love like all that. Like when when we guys can we like just appreciate just the star power that came out of all that. Like people talk mm-hmm. about SNL and like who came out of that. We're talking Nick Cannon. Amanda Bynes. We're talking. Um. Uh. Uh. What's her name? Uh. Lori Beth Denberg. Uh. Danny <laughs> Tamborelli. Um. Uh. What's his name? Ken. Kel. Uh, Ke- Keenan yeah, and Kel. Yeah. They got yeah. their own show. And then Keenan Thompson, like the longest Thompson, yes. on SNL. Look, when I look, I was always wondering, like, where the hell did Keenan go? Like, because I would see Kel like pop up every now and then. Like, obviously, Kel. Yeah. He he. He stuck around with Disney, I think, more, right? No, I think. Uh, he did. I don't think he's with Disney, is he? No, he. Uh, some of them came back for like the all that like revival that they did. Yeah. Um, I think they were like executive producers. But Kel did some voice work. He was. Um, I know he's Clifford the Big Red Dog, right? Yeah, he was T Bone and mm-hmm. Clifford the Big Red Dog. But I can't think of yeah. anything else he did. I rem- I rem- I don't know why, but I did kind of follow Kel's career like afterwards. Like he was in One on One. Flex Washington. (laughs) He was in season five of 101 as a recurring character. He was the landlord. And then he also was a voice for uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog. And then he was also the villain in Like Mike 2. He was the cousin of the kid with the shoes. <laughs> so, like, like Kel, Mike too. Kel was in Like Mike too, and then like he also did I'm this. Just, B- we're just like going back. And then, I love and it. then he was also in this BET show called Dance 360. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was sure essentially <laughs> it was just essentially a thirty minute show where there was people in a circle, and then there was people who would dance in the circle, and like Kel was just there to basically say tag you man, tag you man, and so you attack someone to jump in a circle and dance. So that was Kel's career. And now, and now he's on the reboot of all that is uh, some of the characters that he's always been playing. But yeah, like like Amanda Bynes got the Amanda show. Amanda off the Bynes mm. in all that. She was Super so star. hilarious. Dear, oh my Dear God. Ashley is still Dear. funny. Ashley. It's still it still holds up. Look. Like literally all that all that was really and I'm surprised that there isn't more content like that these days because you know we have like reality tv we have so much of this like i mean even even like tiktok and creator-based content that that feels very improvisational and very like natural and all all that kind of mimicked that kind of like it, it it was obviously scripted but it had that sort of like improv unexpected vibe right. that you never see really from kids television the fact that it was basically snl for kids i think mm-hmm. is is a really interesting idea yeah. and i've always been surprised that there hasn't been like more more media like that yeah. aimed towards as as the success of all that you know yeah what was our favorite skit from all that do you guys have a favorite skit oh gosh oh this is hard yeah there was <laughs> there were god there was there were so many I'm i like, mean i'm I, like running through all of mine right now in my head <laughs> Vital information is is just it's so clean. Yes. Like it's oh yes. my god, yes, yes. Yes. So yes. good. 
it, it's yeah probably one of the more underrated skets ever because like like you said it's so clean because it's literally just Lori Beth just dropping random <laughs> random facts quote unquote facts like oh if you ever had ants in your path in your pants you might want to take a bath <laughs> flip over to camp. like it reminds me a lot of what you do on was your that account, the one like where keenan was in the bathtub where keenan was like in the raincoat in the bathtub no, no that's everyday that french with pierre escargot uh, yes mm-hmm. that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the the classic, like the Good Burger stuff, and too. Like, I mean, I even I even remember getting really into the Good Burger movie based off of that. And I am sure that the Good Burger movie is not the masterpiece that my childhood brain thought that it was. But Look, you don't talk shit about Good Burger, though. Like, I learned that <laughs> firsthand because back when I first started TikTok, and obviously I love the freak out of Good Burger. Like, the Good, Good Burger is my life. I can quote it frontwards, backwards. Oh, oh, who are you? I'm Ed. Hey, Ed, can I give you a lift? <laughs> like, just like just like little stuff. Like, oh, you said you were Kurt. I'm aware. Like, okay, I get it. But, um, like, Good Burger, I tried to say, yeah, Good Burger, like, it's a great film. It's kind, of, it's kind of bad, though. You know, the acting's questionable. The production is kind of weird. Like, everything was kind of fake. The story's kind of dumb. And people came after my throat, like, you do not talk. <laughs> about good burger okay good burger is a masterpiece i'm like you're right sacred you're you're right shut your mouth don't say that some films you just can't talk about it even objectively like it's an objectively bad movie but it's still a masterpiece and good burger the skits the the movie like it's 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 our night at the Roxbury of what SNL was. Well, and that's that's what I feel like all that really gave to kids is i know that they had adult writers but it felt like it felt like kids making comedy for kids. Mm-hmm. And that was, mm-hmm. that's really special, I think. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they had like some great musical guests. Like anybody who was making music in the 90s of like any type of merit came on uh, all that. And like, yeah. sang, like Aaliyah, Big TLC, like everybody was on there. One that freaked me out was Mariah Carey when she came on all that to like sing a song. And like, I'm looking at like Nick Cannon who was over there who was like, oh, 60 my God. Or 70. <laughs> like that was the first thing i thought about when i found out they got married was like i was like hey, didn't you like sing on all that where nick was like <laughs> did y'all meet on all that that's crazy no. that's, my brain doesn't like that <laughs> like, like i could i could imagine like they're like kind of like in the wings like kind of jamming out and like he's just kind of like saying this as a joke like yo man i'm a mary mariah carey over there it's like <laughs> little did they know <laughs> That's like that uh, Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes thing, where Kate, that how creepy it was when everyone was like, yeah, Katie Holmes talking about wanting to marry Tom Cruise when she grows up is not that charming. It's weird. Oh, God. You know, Raven Simone has definitely reached icon status as well. And I love that mm-hmm. Raven has talked a lot about her experiences and been open about like the negative sides of the industry. But she also yeah. has become like quite, quite the icon. I, yeah. you know, that's that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Raven was always like. Like, like I, I'm not even going to say kind of. Raven was always iconic. Like, yeah. when we talk about, like, just, like, even from, like, the Cosby show. Shit, the Cosby show. Um, like, <laughs> she, she was already just kind of, like, performing at such a high level. And mm-hmm. so by the time she got her own show, that's a Raven. It was just kind of like, shit, like, no shit. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. And I remember recently seeing her. She plays, a, she plays um, Anthony Anderson's sister on the show Blackish. 
Oh wow! And, I didn't know as, that. In a recurring oh. role, yeah. She so she comes in like in a recurring role as that, and she's always great. She's always killing it, and I'm just like I'm so I'm so proud of Raven. Yeah, that's what Raven was was such a big like thing in my. I remember being obsessed with that show. Like mm-hmm. literally, she she just had such a presence. Like she commanded that that show. She she carried the whole thing on her back, mm-hmm. and she was just like, "Yep, I'm just gonna do this." And yep. How could anybody else compete when she's on screen? You don't pay attention to anything else. You know? She was she ran that damn show. Like yeah, Star and I recently binge watched the entirety of That So Raven. Just binged the whole thing. It's still so funny. It is like, <laughs> and it's not even like, oh, it was funny for the time, and we're just kind of laughing at like the dated. No, it's still very very funny. The and physical like, comedy has, is amazing. Com- yes, mm, yeah. Like when she's a little baby, like hiding amongst all the little things. She's just like, <laughs> like she man like she and people underrate that about her not only is she just like a really witty comedian she's the physical comedy is just out of this world great she's not afraid to like throw herself around and get jim carrey with it like i i dig it i dig me some raven simone i even watch raven's home i even watch the new show raven's home was it good or it's not good but uh, <laughs> they can't all be winners. It's it's kind of sad because like in the context of like watching that so Raven and you know how like she was like so in love with like Andre like you know that was like her man or whatever. Like I don't know why they decided to go this direction in the show, but they were like, oh yeah, Raven and Chelsea are both divorced, like and they're gonna live together because they have no place to stay. <laughs> so like Raven's kids is hanging out with Chelsea's kids because they're all like living in it's it's kind of like really depressing in a way. Yeah. Well, and that reminds me, when are we getting the Lizzie McGuire reboot? Because that's been promised for such a long time. I I don't think we, yeah, I don't think we are after the creator of the first series, like, dipped out. And I think the the reboot kind of, like, fizzled. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. That's a shame. I I remember, too. I think, and I also think they didn't, like like uh i can't remember the actress's name but the girl who played miranda i thought she also i think she also like refused to be a part of it or something like that yeah lalane yeah it, it was just going uphill it was just it was it was a fighting an uphill battle as soon as like it oh was that's released. right i do remember seeing that hillary duff is now she's gonna do the the how i met your father mm-hmm. um like sequel kind of spin yeah spin-off yeah. show thing okay that makes sense okay that makes sense yeah I mean, I had a big crush on Hillary Duff, like, growing up. Like, a yeah. super huge crush. I was really into, like, clumsy girls. Like, really into <laughs> clumsy girls. And, like, like specifically very clumsy, like, white girls. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why. I was, like, really into that. And, like, Lizzie just, like, really fell into, like, my alley. Just kind of, like, everything she did. Whoa, yeah. Like, falling everywhere. I'm like, yes. Yes, girl. The thumbs in the pockets really did it for you? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the classic Lizzie McGuire <laughs> stance with the... I think- I think it was the Thumbs spaghetti. In the pockets of the I, think it like, I think it was like spilling the spaghetti on her shirt that like really made me fall in love with her. Just kind of like, oh yeah, that's. <laughs> it probably that's... wasn't the hair because Lizzie McGuire's early two thousands hairstyles were a choice. They were definitely yeah. a choice. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the word we can use. Really. Uh, you know, uh, it's just she got, she got bullied by Kate, but sometimes I was like, you kind of deserved it. Well, <laughs> Kate, Kate was was telling her about herself as she should have. Um, yeah, Kate was a bitch, I mean, I but sometimes remember, she spoke truth. I remember being a preteen in that time, and like literally, I don't think I went along board with along with everything. But I I think back at some of the the products that I begged my mother for, like the multicolored like hair scrunchies. Mm-hmm. I literally had like a a blue hair scrunchie, 
It was a bad. Is is so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. God damn. But yeah, thankfully I don't. There, I don't think there's any photographic evidence. So yeah, Lizzie, McGuire Lizzie also- you're gonna have to bear that on your own. <laughs> Lizzie almost turned me into a nice guy. Like once once I was almost like one of those like Reddit nice guys that was oh, like because no. oh, of no. Gordo, right? Like, and there was nothing like wrong yeah. with Gordo because he never forced himself. He never thought he deserved Lizzie because he was his her best friend. Like he never he was never that character. But the way the show set it up was like Lizzie is ignoring Gordo and going after Ethan Kraft, and it was kind of like perpetuating this nice girls like bad boy like kind of like stereotype so yeah. like me watching the show i'm like sympathizing with gordo like dude you've been there from the beginning like she's just because you're so nice like nice guys always finish last but then like gordo never complained about it he was just kind of like okay she likes an idiot like you know, yeah like, you know so I, th- I think that was the redeeming quality ethan was yeah an actual idiot so you know yeah. but you know what you watch it now and Ethan knows he's an idiot. Like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> Ethan never tried to be anything that he was not. Like, even, like, when was Kate was, like, coming up on him, even he was just kind of like, you're kind of, like, stuck up, Kate. Like, he was he was dumb, but he knew that, like, he had his own standards and everything. He was just kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, like, I'm a dumb dude. Like, I'm not into Lizzie. Kate's kind of yeah. cute, but she's kind of, like, he was... He was a stand-up guy. Like he was a very yeah. stand-up guy. So and Gordo too. Like they never, they never played off like the toxic masculinity of each other. It never. wasn't like a Xander Harris from Buffy situation, which is yeah. like oh, bad. Yeah. Like no. Ethan Kraft actually tried to be friends with Gordo. He never made Gordo feel less than because he wasn't mm-hmm. the biggest guy. He was kind of a geek, but he was just kind of like, hey, bro, let's all hang out. And Gordo was kind of the asshole. Like, uh, no, you're just the handsome, <laughs> dumb dude. And da, da, da. I'm like, dude, he's trying to be your friend. Yeah. Gordo reminded me so much of like, like it was, we were, it's an elementary school version of like a high school trope of like the pretentious kid that if, like in high school that mm. is quiet and a loner and thinks yeah. that they're better than everyone else because of it. Yeah. I know because I was that kid for a brief period of time. <laughs> <laughs> and like a lot of it comes from like being bullied and like you're like otherness makes you feel like well I must be I must be like you know people must not like me because I'm I'm better than them and then you realize oh no, some people are just assholes I probably shouldn't be an asshole too right. <laughs> like it's, you know, right. most people that go through that grow out of it but I feel like that that was like kind of where Gordo was at for a minute where he was like ugh, like you're just a dumb jock and I'm better than that it's like well I mean let's just let's live and let live everybody <laughs> and Gordo really would be the ideal love interest right now like he has that Timothy oh Chalamet yeah. like Oh, indie yeah. film boy could break him in pieces with just looking at him look too. for sure it just for took sure. us a couple decades to realize that because <laughs> back then nobody was checking for gordo like at all like gordo was but not see, a bad looking dude it was like it's because it was ingrained because i remember having a crush on gordo and mm-hmm. as i grew up then i i had so many crushes on like that that you know skinny nerdy shy boy type mm-hmm. um the, the timothy chalamet if you will yeah. um <laughs> you know, like, and you know just I, maybe you know maybe they incepted us with that idea an entire generation <laughs> began with gordo <laughs> I just, I just literally had like a, a fuck Jim, Jimmy Neutron brain but bra- bra- Jimmy Neutron brain blast moment that I just had. <laughs> I just realized I can't remember her name, so you guys can help me out. The voice of Lois from Family Guy was the was the tour guide. In yeah, the she was the tour movie. guide, the yeah. tour guide slash like future principal of uh, Lizzie and Gordo, and she 
told him about himself. Like she, she said what a lot of people were thinking, but nobody in the show's history ever did. She said, you're a sneaky brown noser with a hidden agenda and I don't fucking like you. And I was just like, I was like, yo, she just called out Gordo in the first five minutes of the movie. You know, it's it's really funny that there's this like subculture of like actors who predominantly do voice work, and I feel like a lot of people that are like really heavy into animated stuff, like mm. we at the very least you recognize all of their voices consistently and appreciate how good they are. But it's it's funny because they make good money, they make really good Ooh, money. Yes, but it's like it's like not a version of celebrity in a sense, you know. Unless you also have a fairly successful like actual live action film career, like yeah. it's it's pretty minimal. Like now. Jace, Jason Marsden is that mm-hmm. the guy yes. from Goofy and like like he's like got a like on TikTok now and there's like this this accessibility for people like that but it's so funny because I think for so many people our age like you hear their voices and you're like I I know I know this voice <laughs> but it's not like the version of celebrity that like we're accustomed to now which yeah. is really interesting and it, yeah. probably healthier <laughs> way healthier <laughs> speaking of Jason Marsden my buddy he duetted one of my videos talking about the weekenders and then he ended up sending me like an eight by ten sign like max goof print and it's i think it's somewhere here but i oh my god cried for a solid hour so i was like max goof knows who i am max I, knows who i am i can't even imagine like literally yeah like i'm a huge um spirited away fan too and yeah. he's um haku, haku. in spirited mm-hmm. away yeah isn't he the voice uh, of banks and hocus pocus as well yes he, he is, is. So, yeah uh, he's he's one of the iconic voices of our time i think he's everywhere like look, yeah he's look, everywhere <laughs> when i tell you when i tell you when i worked at disneyland i shit you not i would walk into disneyland like in costume singing after today is max like, <laughs> I would, I would legit like walk into my station. They've been laughing since I can't remember, but they're not gonna laugh anymore. Like that, when I goofy a goofy movie, movie is my life. Like it's amazing. Yes. It's a masterpiece. Oh, good. Even the yes. sequel. Nobody talks about the yes. sequel. Yes, yes. Really the yes. sequel is so mm-hmm. good. That, that librarian, goddamn, that librarian. <laughs> <was pretty cool. laughs> She really, she cleaned up nice. She and Little Miss Mochaccino, the girl in like the the coffee shop. Oh my oh gosh, my she God. has the slam poet. Yes. Oh, yes. I know all her lines. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, had an impact. Let's just yeah, she could, but she could get it for sure. She, they both. I mean, like guys, goofy movie with not only not only Roxanne, not only the oh, librarian, not only Mochaccino, but remember the other the other super random but she had like maybe three lines she was the one that said gonna go to the mall in the after yes. the Today song and she also was like all over max max wicked death she was fine like she was so freaking fine like that that world that they crafted these dogs should not look so damn fine for like, real oh my it, god it truly is one of those movies like we were talking about it earlier but it it is so unabashedly 90s. Like it, you yeah. cannot mistake the time period in which it came out, which makes yeah. it even more endearing watching it now. Now, be it, I was born in 98, so I was only there for the tail end, but <laughs> it is what I imagine <laughs> the 90s and the day to day was like. Oh yeah, yeah. that's pretty spot on. Like literally, it, yeah, it's. I, I got eight years in there. I can tell you, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty much like that. Was I was there much. for all of the 90s. I was I was born in the tail end of the 80s. So I most of the 90s I was too young to appreciate. But I can tell you facts. That's what it was like. 
Yeah. And uh, I had a I had a goofy movie flashback. I always have goofy movies every day, but it's a normal <laughs> thing. But I was watching the Mitchells versus the Machines, and the scene where like her dad like says, "Hey, we're going on a trip," and she has that moment of, "Where are we going?" I'm like, "This is so goofy." Right out movie. of the goofy movie. This is exactly. Oh my gosh! The, yes, the goofy I can't movie. believe I didn't think of that. It's the, it's literally. I think the car is even the same. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Station wagon. Yes. <laughs> Oh gosh. oh my gosh! With like all it the was... stuff piled on top too, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is the thing about media that's aimed towards children that's now so nostalgic to us now. Is it, it, I feel like it just covers such a wide variety of topics, and it's so interesting too because like we can all we can watch the same movies and take different parts of it that that are meaningful to us. But there's also just I think that like between Nickelodeon and the Disney Channel like we were talking about earlier like the the family dynamics that Nickelodeon uh we wove into their shows um they just had so many different kinds of family dynamics and and had a, a at least one show that spoke to like kids kids that grew up with all kinds of different things and um i guess what i'm what i'm getting at is like media aimed at children is so significant in like forming who we become as adults and um, I, I often, when I talk about media aimed at children, primarily when I talk about Star Wars, which I get mm-hmm. a ton of pushback when people are like, it's not children's media. I'm like, okay, well, it's like a lot of it is geared at children, <laughs> but, um, you know, but yeah, like I, I, I always try to impress upon people that children's media is like, you know, deep. It's, you know, it yeah. has these really heavy themes. And I just think, um, I don't know, like, I'd love to get your thoughts on like, in reinterpreting children's media like as an adult and 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 what we can what we can learn from kind of accepting that children's media doesn't have to be so i hate it when people are like oh well it's not that deep it's for kids it's you know what i mean kids. like yeah. it's <laughs> not tricks ha- bitch what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> kids have uh i think a, a deeper emotional well than a lot of people give them credit for and just because i guess the assumption is like well kids are just learning their feelings so how can they have complex feelings that's not the case if you talk to any child they yeah. have very complex mm-hmm. feelings that their little bodies are trying to figure out and um one thing that i've always said is that children's media you can't watch a show like a breaking bad or a game of thrones or like even watching you know something as deep as like a marvel movie can be without those core foundation those shows that you watched as a kid so like your sesame streets your mr rogers your hey arnold's mm-hmm. like those shows give you the basic foundation of media literacy that we all have then like built off of now with whatever shows that we we partake in and you know watch but you can't get to those shows without children's media it is our first like stop on our right. pop culture journey that we're all on you know definitely absolutely like i just watched i never watched mr rogers neighborhood never can't even tell you what channel it came on never saw it um he just became a legend when i got older and people said like hey man mr rogers wouldn't like the way you're acting right now i'm like i never watched him so (laughs) but uh, (laughs) i have no idea i'm gonna do what i want but uh i watched uh that documentary won't you be my neighbor just so i can like i heard it was great and i you know wanted to learn a little bit more about the man and the show and everything and that show like Mr. Rogers was a person who understood exactly what you were saying that kids have a deeper emotional well than people give them credit for and him understanding that allowed him to connect with children that no other show has been able to do and I was looking at like some of the segments that he would put into this show and it's exactly what people will say oh this kid wouldn't understand this no but they do like you just have to put it in a way that they would understand and treat them not like necessarily treat them as adults but treat them like hey 
this is this is how the world is this is how it works and this is how you should react to it or like these reactions that you're having to it is natural there was this uh it was a i can't remember the name of the not daniel tiger but i remember it was like a cat Mm -hmm. and like i remember it was this segment where this woman is talking to the cat and like oh what's wrong what's wrong he goes like oh i think like uh I, i i was thinking about mistakes oh what are you thinking about mistakes i'm starting to think that i am a mistake and i was like oh wait what (laughs) i was like kids were watching this and connecting with it and the fact that mr rogers understood and like trusted that they would it's 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 exactly what you're saying it's the first stop in in our journey as human beings to consume this type of media and this like that's the first thing that we learn Mm -hmm. about right like as parents and so you could definitely attest to this like obviously we want to teach kids as much as we know uh, from our own experiences, but in all honesty, for a little distraction, you plop them in front of a TV, and the TV is gonna <laughs> is, is how they <laughs> yeah. kind of like learn about the world. And yeah. so, seeing them, you know, like those shows are the things that are gonna teach them about uh, life moving forward. Yeah, no, I think um, like Jim Henson is like someone who's just like so so incredible. Like I loved Mister Rogers when I was a kid. Um, I, I definitely I my grandma was a big Mr. Rogers fan. So I, you know, she would, I would always watch it when I was at her house for some reason. She, I don't know, even though Mr. Rogers is even, even like way before my time, I'm sure that I think it was PBS that he was on. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I I think it was a bunch of reruns, but I would always watch it at my grandma's house. And it reminds me of nostalgia for like something that's not even from my childhood. Mm. Um, But Jim Henson is another one of those figures that's like, the, the media that he made that affected me so much wasn't wasn't made for children my age. You know, not it wasn't exclusively not, but it was made for a different generation. It was made at a different time, and I was re-watching it. But Jim Henson, I think, just understood. Like, it's it's a different kind of of storytelling that he did as opposed to, like, the, the Nickelodeon, the, you know, the treating children with a sense of maturity in a different way. Like he, he told stories that were highly metaphorical and highly Mm -hmm. thematic um, and less about like kids making, making content for themselves or, or trying to get in the minds of what it's like to be a kid every day, which is, is incredibly meaningful as well. But I think that Jim Henson, um, the, just the idea that kids can understand I, I get so I get into so many conversations with people where they they argue with me that kids don't understand like themes or metaphor and you can't put that in their in their stories and I think that not only are those things super important because even if you don't consciously as a child understand that that is what you're learning it becomes almost like an, a subconscious learning yeah. experience yeah you know that's... And Jim Henson, he also was he he was very adamant about putting a little bit of darkness in children's media, which I think is so important for you know kids growing up understanding that not everything is going to be light and easy. Yeah, I think also even beyond just like a a pop culture or entertainment space, like kids who grow up experiencing stories of experiences that might not be their own, uh, are then grow up to be like empathetic adults and have a better emotional intelligence to to have like empathy to understand experiences that are not their own to understand uh, the otherness that i think we all kind of like encounter you know at any point in our lives and those shows are great at that even just from like hey arnold what i love about it arnold is definitely kind of like the the epicenter of the show but he 
definitely shares the spotlight with so many different mm -hmm. characters that are diverse in a lot of ways beyond just like uh like race like there's a, just so many different characters that are going through all these different things and i feel like as a kid seeing that you understand that the world is not just your little bubble like it's it's bigger than that and yeah. then from there you can go on to experience like other stories that tell other experiences like it's all just one it's a rich tapestry if you will you know like yeah yeah, yeah it's all it, working together when it came to like again staying on the topic of like hey arnold it's like like you said he is the epicenter the protagonist of the show but every episode was about another character mm -hmm. and yeah. like the show didn't shy away from like literally taking the focus like usually when it came came to these type of shows it would just focus on the character you follow the character while they were here you follow them while they were there the other character that they're fo that they're talking to would kind of pop in and out like no hey arnold would you start off the episode with hey arnold he'll come across a character and then you will actually live with that character for the episode like you will yep, actually yeah. see what ernie is thinking in his private moments and like hey arnold then all like in a way becomes like the supporting character because he is supporting whatever character he's trying to help and so like the fact like i remember uh he was the deadbeat who had the wife who like i was begging oscar. to leave him oscar <laughs> fucking oscar man like fucking deadbeat like she should have left him for years ago but yeah <laughs> like the whole episode where like you know his wife his uh wife was out and he had to watch a baby and like he asked arnold for help that episode was oscar's episode so like the fact that like again it's that like living other people's experience and like not only are you kind of like if you if you're not experienced what arnold is experiencing you're and you're and he's helping someone that you're also not experiencing there's like layers of like otherness to help you yeah. like empathize with like all these different types of people and even characters like helga that helga. are a lot of times really unsympathetic they show you that like you know allow allowing you to see like a character that's framed as a bully a lot of the time as a mm -hmm. sympathetic character mm -hmm. and understand like some of the motivations that go into yeah. you know it's obviously you know inexcusable again just like not it doesn't it doesn't make up for it but it allows kids to kind of understand maybe this you know give give you a little bit of context for maybe what you're going through on the other side of or things like that allow, allows you to create empathy even for people who are cruel to you which yeah. is so important for kids yeah, yeah. maybe if she wasn't neglected by her fucking beeper dad and her mom yeah. who was clearly day drinking and alcoholic yeah, yeah. yeah. day drinking and they only gave love and affection to her older sister and she was always like left by the wayside an older sister who wasn't necessarily there for her either who tried to make up for it for lost time later on like you understand why like helga was the way she was doesn't excuse her actions but it makes you think like well maybe if i do show like a little bit more compassion to people maybe if i do like you know kind of like keep an ear to what's going on with someone that they won't go down yeah. that path it's a preventative measure versus like a yeah. uh, excuse like excusing them for their actions i mean yeah Going further into like kind of like sympathizing with uh, other characters, you guys remember when in the Rugrats, Chucky had this whole episode about him just wanting a mom Ugh. and like him just kind of like grieving the mother that he barely like kind of remembered. You guys yeah. remember that? Remember, well, yeah. remember, remember where Tommy felt replaced by his new baby brother and then tried to murder him? <laughs> with like I a mean, jar of baby food with a jar of baby food 
it was that shot that was a dramatically framed shot that whole yeah. episode was Dramatic. like very shakespearean like i still so I, again it's one of those things that i quote like to my daughter like whenever she's like like crying or whatever i'm like oh you want bananas you want the monkeys <laughs> oh monkeys want bananas everybody gets what they want it, it was such a dark <laughs> Congrats, <laughs> Holy shit. Some of the, the voice acting in that show is just, it's so good. And like, I don't think enough people realize that like e. the Daly. entire EG Daily, like the entire mm-hmm. cast was women, like voicing mm-hmm. all of these, these babies, like EG Daily, Kath Susie, who's like, I love her. She's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, like just Cree Summer, like all of these yeah. like amazing powerhouses. And then you bring on Tara Strong to play Dill at the end. Like, ugh, like that show is in the same vein as hey arnold of just like really just hitting you with that gut punch of like oh i was not expecting babies to mm-hmm. make me think about life in this way yeah that show you. was surprisingly existential for uh, a show much. about babies mm-hmm. very much very <laughs> yes much. like like not only were you like talking about the the existential crisis that babies would have but like they were surrounded by like adults that again like you said did not have their shit together like yeah. when i say like stew like they probably lost that house. Like Stu, like I don't know how Stu was supporting anyone. I'm pretty sure Dee Dee was a stay-at-home mom. Like I think she was a teacher. She was a teacher, but still, like I remember it was in the movie, and I didn't realize this from an adult. Like the whole argument between Stu and his brother, where he's all like, "Dude, you have no like income. Like you have another kid on the way. Like your wife is a fucking like teacher on a dime salary. Like." what are you going to do? And, and fucking Stu's just fucking around like, I'm going to make this Reptore toy and it's going to be famous. <laughs> Maybe. Like, <laughs> it's just oh. like, wow. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I think about one of the, fa- one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid um, was A Little Princess. Oh, which, so good. Di- yeah. Amazing. It. It's directed by Alfonso Cuaron, actually. It's based on a classic Sweet. children's book. Yeah. Really? Um, but it's a really cool story because it takes place, um, I don't know, I want to say like the 1930s or something, but it could be even turn of the century. Like it's like yeah. very, it's a period piece for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's about this uh, privileged little little white girl who's like very, it comes from a wealthy family. Um, and I think her father goes and fights in the war and he's presumed dead. So she has to go to an orphanage. Um, and I think, I don't know, I feel like her, her father takes her to the orphanage to begin. I'm, I'm like, for, I'm hazy on the story. Bobby, maybe you know better than me, but her father takes her to this boarding house and then he like goes missing in the war and he's presumed dead. So this expensive boarding house that he was paying for before, um, mm-hmm. now she has like, she, she's not being paid for anymore. Mm-hmm. And so like the school mistress is like, well, you're just going to have to be a servant. Um, and everyone treats her terribly especially because she was a little princess she was like the wealthiest girl there before um and so everyone ostracizes her and she's treated terribly it's essentially like cinderella but she befriends this little black girl who was the other servant that was there Mm -hmm. and they have all of these like they they bond and the way that the story is told is just so it's a beautiful story of like friendship and overcoming obstacles that would have been an issue as an as an adult but because they're kids it's not you know it it doesn't matter to them and it's also they juxtapose it with like this little girl has like wild imagination and she tells this other story like parallel to to her real life story it's it's so beautifully done and it it really it addresses issues of like classism and racism 
um, and like childhood trauma. (laughs) But it's, it's really like, it's really, it's, it's, there are points in the story where it's so devastating. And like these two little girls who have nothing in the world, but each other, like, will like cry in each other's arms. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's heartbreaking and beautiful. And I remember watching it as a kid and like sobbing because it is so sad. But I mean, like, it's a movie that's made for kids. I, I want to say, like, specifically, like, for little girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ha- it has these really major, major themes. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's just a, a beautiful story about, like, being a good person and will triumphing over everything else and friendship triumphing over everything else. Right. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, to me, it's a perfect example of, like, children's media mm-hmm. that is so so compelling and so deep um and the fact that it's directed by alfonso Cuarón too i'm just like right. i mean it's also beautifully shot and it's like really well done right <laughs> but yeah <laughs> i mean i'm looking at this right now it's on hbo max currently that's where i saw it HBO, hbo was the max. first time mm-hmm. and 97 percent on rotten tomatoes holy shit like that's i i had the, this is one that i had on vhs just fyi okay. <laughs> to, it's, to it's, further date myself it looks like a mix between matilda and uh, the color of friendship. That, that's it's exactly right. it. That is exactly <laughs> it. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Perfectly sums it up. Hey, those two movies are great. And the fact that this is directed by Alfonso Cuaron, I might have to put this on my list like sooner rather good. than later. Best it's cinematography so makes fucking sense. It's Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, that. that's one movie that was like right in the back of my brain. I hadn't seen it in years. You really just pulled that out. I think like to wrap this up, like let's just like list maybe like three movies that like back of the brain or maybe like front of the brain, like three of your favorite nostalgic film or TV, uh, whatever whatever floats the boat. I'll start. I, and I, I was really thinking about this while looking at the a Little Princess. Do you guys remember a movie called Airborne? Describe it. Yeah. Airborne, I, I, I made a review on this on my TikTok. I called it basically like Brink before Brink was like the shit. And it's about this guy who's like a surfer. He's a California surfer. And then like I think his parents go to some exhibit or some shit. So he moves to Cincinnati with his cousin. And his cousin is Seth Green. And so like he's now like the surfer dude in the middle of like fucking butt fuck all Cincinnati Cincinnati. And he's basically getting bullied. He falls in love with this, like, really pretty girl. And, like, he takes up, like, roller skating and fucking, like, uh, he, the the best part of the movie is the climax is, like, he challenges this, the brother of the girl that he likes to a skate-off. And they go down this hill called the Devil's Backbone. And the Devil's Backbone is, like, yeah, it's told that anyone who goes down there dies. And so, like, they race <laughs> down this Devil's Backbone. And it's one of the most intense fucking, like, roller skate races you'll ever see in your life it puts the race at the end of brink to shame i would i would like but sarah no not sarah jessica parker she's in footloose there's a girl who reminds me of sarah jessica parker in it but uh, it has one of the best like getting dressed montages in all of movies if you ask me like it has seth green like preparing for his date with this girl with the song playing i'm too sexy for my shirt to, and only <laughs> seth green can make it the most iconic like getting ready montage <laughs> ever but airborne <laughs> i would highly recommend it i don't know where you would find it i would rent it if you can find it but it's it's so great it's so great um <laughs> But yeah, Airborne. Airborne is one. Um, another one that like really stuck with me. Obviously, like goofy movie, but I'm gonna just leave that over here. Um, <laughs> Matilda, 
Matilda mm-hmm. was like, yeah, like Mrs. Trenchbolt. Like Mrs. Trenchbolt was like the scariest woman of all time. I always think of the scene where like she smashes the plate of cake over the little chubby boy's <laughs> head. Like that poor kid, she ruined sh- chocolate cake for me for like a week. She should have been it. arrested. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that was back on board. <laughs> Uh, yeah so Matilda was also like a was a banger for me and then like also and I brought this up you remember the movie Warriors of Virtue I I'm completely unfamiliar with you'll have yeah. to you'll have to tell me okay okay Warriors of Virtue like literally somebody mentioned this in one of my lives and it was like like I was shot with a gun in my head I was like oh my god I and Warriors of Virtue is a movie about a kid who goes down a well and falls into this magical realm of, I'm going to just say it, kung fu fighting kangaroos. They're kung fu, <laughs> they're kung fu fighting kangaroos. I, I did not expect that to be where the turn went. No. It was so <laughs> weird. Apparently, they're named after a different virtue. I don't know. And okay. there's, there's this beautiful scene where this guy, like, I don't know how he found it, but he found their, like, hideout. They live in, like, this giant, like, like tree dome. And this guy's outside, and he's all like, stupid ruse, stupid ruse, stupid ruse. And one of the female kangaroos, mind you, the fucking animatronic or, like, whatever you call it, like, the makeup, hideous. She throws, <laughs> like, she, <laughs> she throws a flower. Like, she literally tosses a flower in his mouth to shut him up. And she was like... I hate humans. Me, me, me. It's 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 the weirdest fucking movie. The fight scenes are actually pretty damn good, <laughs> but it's so weird. Like I would highly recommend watch. I think it's on Tubi. I think you can watch Warriors of Virtue on Tubi. All right. It's yeah, Warriors of Virtue. Definitely check it out. It's 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 a wow. Yeah, it's on Tubi for free. <laughs> it's it's a wow. It, it sounds it sounds uh yeah it, 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 sounds it sure insane. does sound like a movie um, <laughs> and there were two apparently there were two oh, there were well, two, how could, two what you can't have that one is definitely not enough of what you apparently, described apparently not, apparently not. <laughs> all right bobby cameras. what about you what were your let's say three three movies from your childhood that just stuck in there uh this is hard because i revisit these movies often now so they don't feel so far away but um the jimmy neutron movie yes oh yeah so mm-hmm. oscar nominated jimmy yep. neutron yep. movie i might add yep. wow yep. it was in the first like class of um I think it was like 2001 right and when mm-hmm. it was in shrek yep mm-hmm. shrek monsters inc jimmy neutron i think might have been the the, the three <laughs> Jimmy Neutron had a case though <laughs> Jimmy Neutron had a case I'm not gonna lie it is it is a fantastic movie if nothing else the soundtrack wall to wall bangers uh Aaron, Aaron Carter, Carter. Which, <laughs> that went left um <laughs> there's Aaron Carter there's uh Insane there's some Britney Spears it's great but the movie itself is I love it because it is a movie led by voice actors it has Patrick Stewart and Martin Short in it but they are not what mm-hmm. what drew people to that movie it was rob paulson debbie derryberry jeffrey garcia as carl sheen and jimmy who are mm-hmm. so good in the movie so absolutely that's number one um for whatever reason the road to el dorado is really like on my heart right now uh mm-hmm. the dream was yeah, a great one my wife it was, that one it's so good um if nothing else for uh chell who didn't have any effect on me at all as a child um <laughs> no, me neither none as an adult either, no apparently. yeah um no. she just regular character who had nothing to do with my um 
bisexuality. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> but I, I like Kevin Klein is one of my like underrated favorite actors. Oh my god, Kevin mm-hmm. Klein is amazing. Yeah. He's so good, especially as uh, Mr. Fishoder on Bob's Burgers. He's so great. Yes, but, God, I love Bob's I didn't Burgers. Know he was on that. Yeah, he is. He's Mr. Fishoder, but uh, for whatever reason, Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh like are a great pair in that movie, and they work very mm-hmm. well. Um, third one. Since we've been talking about it, I have to say Rugrats in Paris slash Rugrats Go Wild. Oh, Two yeah. Great sequels. To I, I don't really rank the first Rugrats. I'm sorry. It just it's doesn't resonate with me. Like, I appreciate it because it was like the first non-Disney animated film to like make $100 million at the box office. So like, but it just didn't sit with me. Those it, didn't have, it didn't have babies fighting in a mech suit. Against the yeah. <laughs> literally yeah. just swinging through the streets of paris in these giant robot suits it's um, hard to compete with that dill sorry you can't follow up the birth of a baby uh but like <laughs> those two and then the crossover with the wild thornberries 10 out of 10 oh yeah it was the yeah. avengers in game we needed at the time period <laughs> Yeah, I there's so many. I mean, there's there's I feel like I I was also like peak 90s movies when I was a kid that came out, you know, you got like your Jumanji's, you got mm. your like the the Parent Trap early 2000s which mm. was no, that was even the 90s I think, which were amazing, but like I definitely I think that one of the movies that I was obsessed with was Harriet the Spy. Mm. Um for sure. Uh that was definitely one that just really really got there for me. Big crush I on her I, as well. I clearly, clearly uh, resonated a lot with girl characters who got bullied because uh, I'm going in the Little Princess and Harriet the Spy veins. Uh, there's a theme there. Um, but I also, I also really, um, God, there, I can't remember what the other one I was thinking was now. I mean, there were so many like Hocus Pocus, Fern Gully I loved. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Fern Gully was a banger. Uh, you know, the Prince of Egypt was really <gasps> a big one for me too. Yeah, that one was. I think it was because I, I grew. I'm not religious anymore, but I grew up a religious kid, and so that was a movie that like was highly encouraged. And it was just that movie. I love you. That movie's so good, it's so damn so good. good, and so, so dark. every song. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Dark. Biblically dark. <laughs> like it doesn't get darker than the Bible, really. Like no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that Old Testament shit hits hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like. The songs were so good. Oh like it was gosh. just, it was really. I, I I watched that movie a lot. I I loved it. It was it was so so great. Megan, I have a piece of advice for you. Yeah. You, you ready? Look at your life. Look at your <laughs> life. Look at your Look life through heaven's eyes. No, that that movie was. I'm like, oh my gosh. The I mean. The song that his sister sings him too, God, I mean, literally, they're just, it was, it's so emotional. It's really, it's, I, there's no wonder that I was a dramatic child with the yeah. movies that I, yeah. that I liked. I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing quite beats Mariah Carey and fucking Whitney goddamn Houston. I mean, I mean, nothing I mean, beats when that. when you no- believe, my goodness. Oh my, I mean, you, mm. 
Mm, hold up. It, Jeff Goldblum is a voice in that movie. Yes, he, he is. is. He's the brother. Really? Yeah. He's the yeah. brother. For whatever yep. reason, he is <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> I mean, he's Jewish. They they actually they did a great job actually getting Jewish representation, yes. which is way ahead of its time because for a lot of movies they would just cast whoever for animated films, mm-hmm. and now there's a lot of attention being paid to it as it should. Yes. But that movie, I'm pretty sure everybody who plays a Jewish character is actually a Jewish actor. I'm pretty sure. That's so good. Maybe not every, but it was a lot. Dark skin too. Guys, everyone's yep. dark skin in Egypt. Yeah. They actually portrayed Egyptians <laughs> as as they not looked. white. <laughs> yeah. Who would have knew? <laughs> Just the fact that that was DreamWorks, their first movie, Jeffrey Katzenberg, Steven Spielberg, David Geffen, they said, okay, our first movie, The Bible. Let's go after The Bible. <laughs> and that was not the doing first, that. I think, major um, animated feature that was co-directed by a woman, I think. I oh. think that was... DreamWorks uh, first one. Yeah. I think that, w- that was Brenda Chapman, yep. I think. Brenda oh, Chapman. shit. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. We talked about this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And she yeah. had to have uh, Brave stolen from her. But that, uh, yeah. Still mad about that. To, still Brenda, mad. Release the Chapman cut. Uh, yeah, let's revive that. <laughs> let's revive the correct <laughs> hashtag on Twitter. The We're Chapman. that back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, that was, it, I mean, you know, biblical shit, like first, firstborns dying. I mean, literally like. Moses didn't, I mean, the movie frames it so like Moses didn't know, but I mean, Ramesses, I can understand Ramesses being like, okay, fuck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're out for I blood mean, now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he was a terrible person, but you know, I, nobody losing, you know, that's, that's some heavy shit. <laughs> Very heavy. And they hey. showed yeah. it too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Yeah. yeah, his kid, his lifeless body laying on the freaking like oh, slab. God. Oh, God. Like, yeah. like, what? <laughs> Covered in the sheet. Yeah. Oh, that oh, is no. so. It, that imagery stays with you, man. Oh, like, it does. it's, it it's does. just funny that hey. they go immediately after that scene. The next scene is when you believe, and they're all like singing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I would have chased. If yeah, I was like, Ramses, I would have chased after them too. Like, fuck you guys, singing this damn song. <laughs> so, there's like My they're lifting their live children on their shoulders. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and just up there like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Feels and like to a be point fair, attack. You know, like. And enslaved people finally being liberated, like they deserve to celebrate. But it does the the juxtaposition is pretty is pretty rough. Let me throw out one more before we go, because I feel like all of us were gonna be like, yes. How do we not even? How do we get through a whole show without talking about it? The Page Master. Oh my God! I have never Macaulay seen Culkin's animated debut. You've yeah, never not... seen The Page Master? I haven't seen it. I'm so sorry. So Actual you book. would, Bobby, Bobby. You would love the Page Master. I'm telling. I I, can, I feel like after this conversation, I, I can confidently say you would love it. I will gonna... send you my copy. Like I'm not joking. That's how serious I am. So you don't I, have to pay. It's been recommended to me because I think isn't Christopher Lloyd in it? Christopher Lloyd is in it yes. as the Page Master, the titular yeah. Page Master slash librarian. I promise you both. Kid. I will watch it. Hey. He go he uh, and kid turns into an animation in a library. Mm-hmm. Goes on adventures in books. Like it's yes. literally like. It's the most '90s nostalgic, yep. like especially for kids who like stories and books. It's it's amazing. We're talking. Amazing. We're talking. He meets Doctor Draco and Mister Hyde. We're talking Moby yes. Dick, Long John Silver. Yes. There's a there's a cameo from uh, the 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 Queen of Hearts. Like that. Pot, it's it's amazing. And also, it's so good. Also, like not only he also like like realizes he's a cartoon. Too. He literally goes, "I'm a cartoon." Like it's 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 very <laughs> self aware of like what's going on. Yeah. But we also have the voice talents from Patrick Stewart, who plays a pirate book. <laughs> Patrick Stewart plays a pirate book named Adventure. Whoopi Goldberg plays a fantasy book named Fantasy, who's also like a fairy. And I can't remember who plays horror, but 
it's just it's so so great i will oh. hi- highly recommend it also has another underrated song if only you imagine like that <laughs> Oh my God! I thought, I thought we were going in like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit direction. Oh That's... well, we can, we can. Oh, I mean, yeah, we can go into that as well. I'm just saying. There's, I mean, yeah, we're we're gonna have to. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I could two. talk about animation and. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I love. Uh, yeah, this is this was this was set. We'll have to do this again, and we'll have to have uh, maybe we'll we'll add somebody to the mix. Like when we were talking about TV, I was like, oh, if only Deja Talks TV was here. I yeah. love Deja Talks <laughs> TV. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's we'll have to get we'll have to do this regularly because this is yeah. such a this is an amazing topic. I could talk about it literally forever. Literally, oh, I can cool. go on for like another two hours. But <laughs> 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 all right, guys, thank you so much for listening to Geeks of the Week episode. What is it? Episode eight now? Seven? I think it's episode seven. Seven. I think, yeah. Episode still seven. hard to believe that it's that far along. We I had know. one bonus episode in there, but yeah, still. that's what always throws me off. <laughs> the, the one bonus yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> that we don't call an episode uh <laughs> but yeah that we we were chatting with the lovely bobby aka the afternoon special bobby why don't you plug yourself where can where can the people find you oh my gosh uh people can find me at the afternoon special on tiktok the afternoon special on instagram even though i don't post uh and <laughs> on twitter at bobby is funny Nice. <laughs> you know, Bobby is indeed funny, though. Yeah, <laughs> yes. appropriately named. Appropriately. So I'm going to change it to the afternoon special, but for now, Bobby is funny. B o b b i i s f u n n y. And then once again, I am Straw Hat. I'm Jay Stoops. Thank you so much for coming on, Bobby. Like literally, I was so excited. This is one of the first episodes that Straw Hat and I talked about. Was doing like a nostalgia media, and you were the only person. We were like, nope, it's got, it's got to be else. Bobby. There's no There's other else. option. Like if we don't get Bobby, we just scrap the whole episode. Because oh gosh, <laughs> literally as soon as you guys, I've been just a major fangirl of both of you. And as soon as you guys announced you were doing a podcast, I'm like, uh, okay, this is perfect. <laughs> Um, and I've been listening. So the fact that you have decided to bring me on is so amazing. So thank you guys for having me. Trust Enjoy us. It. it also helped that all of your followers just pretty much flooded our DMs and comments. Oh my God, like, yes. Yeah. Oh, are you getting up for your <laughs> yep. special? Are you getting up for your special? And we're just When's like, Bobby coming on? I was like, guys, <laughs> don't do that. And I was like, keep doing it. Keep doing it. I want to be on the podcast. More, more, just a little more. <laughs> I am definitely going to watch everything we talked about. When I oh, my God. Yes. My watch list is going to be insane after this. Literally. I will make a video about the page master and tag you both. Yes. I please, will... And Straw please. Hat, you've got to watch A Little Princess. you got to let us know. It's on, so I already put it on my queue while we were, like, yes. <laughs> talking. <Okay>. So <laughs> it's happening. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. We will see you next week. Bye.